Welcome to Breaking the Cycle of Poverty featuring Jay Height, Executive Director of Shepherd Community Center in Indianapolis. My name is Tim Swearns, and I'm your host for these conversations that explore why poverty remains such a persistent problem in the United States. On this episode, we're talking about the surge of violent crime that we've seen in Indianapolis and really many other places across our country. Jay, You've lived in Indy for a long time. You've seen a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of violent crime, uh, seen the suffering of our neighbors. What are you seeing now? I think we're at a time, we'll go back to a word you and I have talked about, enemy. Yes. You know, the visceral response when you lose your anchor, your foundation. I would say this, we are at an unprecedented time coming out of COVID where people are more lonely than they've ever been. The country of, of England has a secretary of loneliness because they recognize that that is such a crucial issue for their country. And, it, and it, maybe we should have that here. Yes. I would say there is someone who's responsible for loneliness, and it's the church. But the church I don't refer to as a structure or a building. It's the people. And Loneliness is the epidemic that's ravaging. We're not going to police our way out of this. We're not going to legislate our way out of this. I fully support the police. We're blessed here in Indianapolis with one of the best police forces. Indianapolis, uh, Marion County Public, uh, the police department, they do a wonderful job. And many of their fr- friend, uh, of them are friends. But we're not going to police our way out of it. We have to connect our way. And so many times on this podcast, I've talked about Legos. Yes. We're all Legos created for connection. If we're not connecting, then we're useless. And that's how people feel. They feel like they've not been connected. Uh, Whether you liked it or didn't, the isolation that developed out of COVID has further intensified, I believe, a challenge in our culture that says some people feel forgotten. Uh, it, when they interview some of these mass shooters, they'll say, I'm, uh, I'm invisible. No one sees me. No one knows my name. And um, I, you know, I think our job was summed up in the old TV show Cheers, where everyone knows my name. We need communities. We have to re-neighbor the hood, but it really comes in connection. How does the threat of violence, living with that day-to-day threat, affect our neighbors? Well, I'll speak to what some of our staff and our great leaders who are working in the school said. The conversations have shifted, and kids aren't talking about if violence affects them. They talk about when violence affects them. They talk about what it's going to feel like when they're shot. We shouldn't have a generation of kids who live with the expectation that they're going to be a victim. Uh, this prevalence of, of violence with guns, I don't know. I don't have all of the answers. What I do know is I have to make sure that my friends and those people that are in my path know that I see them and that I care and that I take time. I think we're too busy looking down at our phone, checking our social media, that we walk by people who are standing there wishing someone would connect with them. You know, I get Facebook, some people love it. Technology is is a, a, a tool that can be used. But this whole idea that you have all these friends on Facebook, and the fact is they don't know who you are. They don't know anything about it. A friend of mine went off of Facebook. He had 2,000 friends, two people connected with him. 
uh, over the course of the next year, they're like, what, what happened? Why'd you go? So people aren't on there as friends. That's, that's sort of a artificial. It's the cotton candy, right? Yes. And, and then you have likes. And so we get affirmation by the number of likes we get. But really, that's just someone pushing a button. We need to go back to the old days of me saying, hey, Tim, how are you? And, you know, that's a great idea. encouragement. Uh, social media is a tool, but it is not the answer. God created the answer, and that's you and I. So U.S. Surgeon General just recently declared that America is facing an epidemic of, of loneliness, and it affects our mental health, it affects our emotional and physical health as well. Um, what can we do? What are some practical steps we can take to begin to reconnect with our neighbors? Walk across the yard. Uh, get to know their name. 31% of Americans know who their neighbors are. You can't love someone. God commanded us to love them. We can't love them if we don't know who they are. So I think it begins there. I think it can be something, something as simple as, how are you doing? Talking to them. Yes. You know, it used to be when I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, my dad parked here, Mr. Amos parked here, and our next-door neighbor. In the driveways, they would talk, but now we have what? We have garage door openers. Yes. We pull in, and the porch went to the back, and now the back's covered by a privacy fence. And the windows that used to be open when mom would talk to Mrs. Amos when she did the dishes uh, at, after dinner, those windows are shut because we have central air. And these things that have changed, the architecture of America has changed. We've lost community. Robert Putnam, sociologist from Harvard, says, if you don't have community, you don't have social capital. If you don't have social capital, you cannot bring about societal change. And he says, the faith community is who has the hope of restoring community in America. So let's speak to our listeners who turn on the news, read the newspaper, and they hear about another shooting on the Near East side, and they thought, oh, there, you know, I, there's no way I can get involved in helping people there. I, God may be calling me, but it's too dangerous. What do you say to folks like that? Well, wherever God's called, it's the safest place to be. Yes. And so I think uh, it is a great opportunity if God's calling you. And it could be something where uh, you live on the, on the west side of town, and uh, you know maybe what you do is you say, Jay, I could, I could call three people each week and just talk to them. That connection, we do have the ability to connect through technology. Uh, but many times folks are just lonely. There, there is some statistic, I don't know it off the top of my head, but senior adults, there are such a large number of senior adults who go multiple months without ever talking to anyone. We know that some people called 911 to go to the hospital for socialization. Uh, and, and so I think for us to just say, hey, how do I connect with my neighbors? How do I connect to the for taking time to say to your waiter or your waitress, thank you for serving me today. How can I pray for you? Talking to uh, the person at the bank. Uh, my wife developed a ministry at Walgreens, being married to me. She's got to go to the pharmacy a lot. And she became a prayer warrior for those folks there but because they knew her, they connected. So it's looking at our daily lives as ministry, not just at 10.30 on Sunday morning or not. You don't have to come to Shepherd to just do it. Though we would welcome folks who would say, I could call two or three people. So what you're talking about is a long-term solution to violent crime. It's a lot more complicated than just putting more police officers, more police officers on the street, putting more people in prison. 
right, we're not going to lock our way out of this. Uh, the police do a great job, but they corral behavior. We can change behavior with the hope of Jesus Christ when we connect to them. And you've mentioned older people, senior citizens, but there's a lot of opportunities to get connected through Shepherd with kids in the community. Absolutely. Uh, we know that uh, the isolation has begun at a much earlier age. And just because you're around people doesn't mean you don't feel isolated or forgotten. Uh, we know that people can live amongst many people and still feel like no one cares. And, and, and we've heard that from our students here, and we want to make sure they know they matter. You've witnessed uh, the aftermath of a, a lot of violent crime over the years. What are your takeaways from those experiences? So the city asked me, then Mar uh, Mayor Bart Peterson, the Sunday afternoon after the worst homicide in Indianapolis history, the Hamilton Avenue Slades, the Cova Rubius family. Yes. And they were part of our programs. The three little boys who lost their lives that night, that Thursday night, Alberto, David, and little Lewis, kids that were in our program, Lewis was going to be coming into our preschool the next fall. This was June, almost, you know, to the day. Yes. And um, I tried to bring hope to a hopeless situation. But what the challenge I learned from that, Desmond Turner was the primary gunman that night that went in thinking he was going to get a bunch of drugs and money and killed seven family members, three little kids, as they huddled on a bed together. Kids that were friends of mine, friends of my children. Desmond Turner, it was said uh, in the Star, he was born into a broken home, his father wasn't involved, kicked out of IPS. They begin listing all of these reasons. And I know a young man, someone I love dearly, who was born to a home where things messed up, father wasn't in his life, kicked out of IPS. He's doing amazing things in this city. Yeah. What's the difference? I can't change for the Covarubias family. What I can do is make sure that no more Desmond Turners are created. Desmond wasn't born like that. He was alienated, he was forgotten, he wasn't seen, and he didn't care if he lived or died, and he didn't care if anyone else lived or died. But there's another guy, his name is Curtis, and I have the utmost respect for Curtis. He served here for many years after coming through our programs and yes. helps lead another ministry. And uh, I said to him one time, why? What's different for you? He said, I gave up on myself, but there were so many people at Shepherd who didn't, I couldn't let them down. That's the power of the church. That's the power of connection. That's what we can do. Yes. Jay, would you pray for us, pray for our community, and, and pray for all those who are looking at what's happening in terms of violence and feel overwhelmed? Yep. Father God, bring your shalom to not just the Near East Side, but to our whole world to the tragedy there in Ukraine and to the places there is strife throughout the world, to 
our cities and communities that are under siege with this hopelessness, this loneliness. Father, may we be the agents of connection to bring your hope and your lifeblood into their lives. We love you and thank you for using us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jay. For 37 years, Shepherd Community has made a lasting difference in the lives of thousands and thousands of neighbors. And the Shepherd team couldn't do that without the support of donors, partners, and volunteers. To learn more about how you can help, please visit shepherdcommunity.org. Thank you for listening.